Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The UFC is just an absolutely absurd place. There really isn't anything quite like it in the world of sports. I have spent over a decade working in MMA and I still come across things from the past that I simply cannot believe ever happened. They are so ridiculous. And while we all know about Tito versus Dana on a plane or Speedos getting people fired or Connor throwing dollies, I thought today it would be fun to look at some far lesser known absurdities that have taken place over the years. And while I can't guarantee you won't know some of these, I'd be shocked if there's not at least one that blindsides you. Let's look at some preposterous UFC moments, shall we? I'm Tommy from MMA On Point. A massive thank you to our channel Hall of Famers. And these are 10 truly absurd moments in UFC history. Number 10, the original UFC post-show brawl. Yes, long before UFC 229 stole our hearts and minds as the wildest post-show brawl that's ever happened, Tank Abbott was paving the very stupid way for such dust-ups. Here's the scene. Art Davey is sitting there after UFC 6 talking to John Wayne Bobbitt. Yeah, look that one up, Zoomers. You're in for a wild ride. About potential fighting in the UFC because freak show fights are forever when he heard a commotion down the hall. And as it would turn out, this commotion he heard was Tank Abbott and his crew beating the shit out of UFC 1 and 2 veteran Patrick Smith in an elevator. What caused such a beatdown to be warranted? Who really knows? Tank Abbott would fight you if you turned off your stool in a way that displeased him. What stopped the stomping was future heavyweight champ Marie Smith and Big John McCarthy. That guy was just refing everywhere at all times, apparently. As Davey tells the story, he then drove Smith to the hospital where he had to get a whole bunch of stitches. Now, in today's UFC, such a violent beating would certainly warrant a suspension or probably get you fired if you're not making the promotion millions of dollars anytime you step in the cage. But back in 1995, the only thing Tank had to do was pin a letter of apology, and he was right back in the mix. Ah, the old times. Number nine, Jacob Volkman talks himself onto a watch list. You might remember Jacob Volkman, but then again, you might not. He did fight in the UFC from 2009 to 2013 with a few good wins here and there, but he never really moved the needle much. Other than, of course, that time he was visited by the Secret Service after a post-fight interview he did with Ariel Helwani. Yeah, so following a win at UFC 125, Volkman was asked who he wanted his next opponent to be, and here's what he had to say. Right, so now you got a big win over a veteran. Who do you want next? It doesn't matter. Uh, Guida. Actually, Obama. Like wow, you're calling out a Barack Obama right now. That's pretty big. That's ballsy. He's not too bright. Someone's got to knock some sense into that idiot. Apparently, enough people who saw this interview reported it to authorities, because shortly thereafter, they came a-knocking to make sure Jacob wasn't planning any funny business. Now, dear viewer, you would think a pants-shitting visit like that would sway you from maybe saying anything about any public officials anymore, but not good old Jake. No, following a win at UFC 141 while donning a shirt that said Volkman for president, he just couldn't help himself. I want Obama to call me so we can schedule a glassectomy. Ask me what a glassectomy is. What's a glassectomy? It's when you cut your belly button out, put a piece of glass in there, 
So when you have your head up your butt, you can see what you're doing. Okay. While this ill-advised joke did not get him another visit from G-Men, it did see him placed on administrative leave from the high school where he served as a wrestling coach. He's apparently a chiropractor now. Number 8. Vitor Belfort's Insane UFC 33 Withdrawal If you ask Dana White to this day the worst event in UFC history, he'll probably at least mention UFC 33 if not say it's the worst outright. And he's right, that card sucked beyond sucking, but it was supposed to be the crowning moment for the newly Zufa-led promotion because this was the first sanctioned card in Las Vegas. One of the most major snags came in the form of Vitor Belfort having to withdraw from the main event due to an injury, pitting Tito Ortiz against Sadhorn Vladimir Matyushenko for the light heavyweight title instead. But what happened to Vitor? Did he hurt his knee stuffing a takedown? Did he suffer a concussion after sparring too hard? The types of things that happen all the time in training? Nope. No, as Dana White told the media at the time, apparently Vitor was hitting a heavy bag near a window and somehow missed the bag, and his arm went through the glass, giving him a severe laceration that required 30 stitches. How this is even possible, I'm not entirely sure. Either this was the most poorly placed heavy bag in the history of gyms, or Vitor punches with such force that missing his target can have dire consequences. Either way, that has to be one of the most insane reasons anybody has ever pulled out of a fight, besides maybe number 7, Joe Lozon's sock injury. The fight game is of course a dangerous one, but so is putting on your clothes. We take for granted the process of getting dressed each each day, but it's when you stop respecting it that something horrible can happen. Okay, I'm done being goofy. No, of course, there's way more to this than you would think when you hear that Joe Lozon injured his knee putting a sock on. He was meant to fight Donald Cerrone last year, a fight that is about as cursed as Tony versus Habib, and the final reason it was cancelled altogether after three attempts was, well, I'll just let Joe explain. I weigh in officially, everything's fine, I go to sit down, go to put my socks on, because I had flip-flops on, so I go to put my socks on, I turn my knee out, and my knee locks up. Eventually, I hopped on one of my cornermen's backs, jumped on Frank's back, acted like I was choking him, like we're being funny, but I, I couldn't stand, I couldn't walk at all at that point. There have been a lot of insane reasons that fights have been canceled, like missing a heavy bag and punching a window, but a sock putting a fight off has got to be some of the worst all-time luck ever. Anybody that knows me knows that Joe is probably my favorite fighter ever, and I was incredibly bummed for him over this, especially because it was going to be his first fight back after a very long layoff. He's now semi-retired, but I do hope for the right fight, he's able to get one more to make up for that horrible luck he had with the Cerrone matchup. Number 6. Dana DVD Request Remember when the UFC started doing those like huge tentpole press conferences that would have names like Go Big, and it would feature a bunch of champions in big fights? They still do somewhat similar stuff now. Well, the first they ever tried was called The Time Is Now, and it was stacked. JBJ and DC, Anderson and Nick Diaz, Ronda and Cat, Weidman and Vitor, and of course a young Conor McGregor about to take on tiny Brock Lesnar. But truly the highlight of this press conference was the final question that was asked before it ended. And that is when Dominic Robinson, a fighter out of Oakland, was able to get a question in for the man himself, Dana White. And I can almost 100% guarantee you that you would not in any way guess what it is he was going to ask about. Well, Dana, you owe me something from 2012. I've been bugging you for it too, so. what you say, Dana? Yeah, Dana. What do I owe you? You owe me some WC DVDs. Dark and all the Dark Age DVDs. You never gave them to me. I had to buy them myself. Hey, I owe you a hundred bucks. 
bucks today, I will give you a hundred dollars. Yeah, he wanted some DVDs that Dana owed him. You know, something you would of course ask at a press conference about a bunch of upcoming fights. To be fair, it's not easy getting a hold of Dana White. I want to oil you up. What the fuck does that mean? So if you have the opportunity and the guy owes you some Dark Age DVDs, well, I mean, why not ask the guy? White told him he'd take care of it backstage, which is even funnier to think that Dana would just have a bag full of old DVDs back there ready to distribute. Number five, marathon running into the UFC. If you know Ron Van Cleef at all, you either saw him in some old martial arts movie or you remember him getting choked by Hoist Gracie at UFC 4, his only ever MMA bout. What you probably don't know, even if you do know him, is the insane method through which he would come to be in the UFC. Chronicled in Clyde Gentry's book, No Holds Barred, RVC was turned down by the promotion because he was 50 years old, a pretty reasonable thing. But after being rejected, he came to the SEG offices with four big-ass dudes and, as per quotes from Campbell McLaren, came into his office, had the men surround him, removed his shirt only for the men to scream at McLaren for forcing him to do so, even though he did it on his own, then Van Cleef told McLaren to punch him in the stomach, which he did only for the four guys to again yell at Campbell for doing so. Finally, Ron said he would prove he's able to compete in the UFC at his age by completing the New York City Marathon. McLaren told him if he could finish the race, he'd get a spot at UFC 4, and he did. So he got to fight and lose to Hoist Gracie. The early UFC is truly just the weirdest shit. Number 4. Coke saved the UFC. I'm not talking about the fizzy drink either. As Dana White tells it, the UFC was in a really bad spot at the end of their seven-year Fox deal. Their broadcast partner was going through changes, and they didn't see the value in the UFC anymore, so the deal was dead, and for a time, the reporting was that the UFC's future was very negative. Many assumed that their next rights deal would be worse than what they pinned with Fox back in 2011. Remember, this is that little lull period after Connor and Ronda, so prospects were not anywhere near as hot as they had been in years previous. And one of the biggest players, ESPN, was believed to be off the table. This was largely because of John Skipper, the head of ESPN at the time, just not at all being a fan of the UFC. Sounds like I something a nerd or a virgin would do. But as fate would have it, Skipper would resign from his position due to a nose candy extortion scandal, and in his place would be Jimmy Pitaro, a big fan of the UFC and someone Dana White knew and liked. Sure enough, with Skipper out of the way, the UFC was able to score a landmark deal with the worldwide leader in sports, and the rest is history. But there's a good chance had the Florida snow scandal not ousted Skipper, we'd all be watching UFC on Rumble right now. Number three, Bruce Buffer's UFC 129 injury. Now, one would think that in the entire history of announcing, that not a single injury has ever occurred. And why would it? You are speaking into a microphone. You would think that the only thing that might happen is that you strain your voice a bit. Are you ready to shake it? Ooh. Well, that's because most announcers just stand there like a stick in the mud when they read off the fighter's info. Not Bruce motherfucking Buffer. This legend, of course, gets into it. He's hopping around. He's screaming in fighters' faces. At UFC 100, Joe Rogan convinced him to do the Buffer 360 mid-Brock Lesnar introduction, and while the man has thrown down with Frank Trigg in an elevator, done his duties with a 103-degree fever, none of this compares to tearing his ACL during UFC 129. This was a massive card, right? Sky Dome, GSP, main event against Jake Shields. Of course, Bruce was going to be fired up, and fired up he was. So much so that when he hopped backwards after introducing St. Pierre, he completely shredded his knee. On the actual broadcast, you can see him hobbling out of the cage. What an absolute 
absolute legend. Number two, Dan Ige gets his blood stolen. As the USADA era comes to an end, perhaps problems such as the horror story that happened to Dan Ige will be a thing of the past for UFC fighters. As you may very well know, USADA is known to show up at all kinds of odd hours and locations to collect your samples. So don't be alarmed if at 4am while you're camping in remote woods, someone opens your tent with a piss cup and a lab tech jacket. Back in 2019, Dan Ige was visited at his home by a woman who told him she was there to take his blood. Assuming it was USADA and a bit groggy as it was 6.30 in the morning, he sat down and let her start the process. After she took four large vials of the red stuff, a series of inconsistencies made the featherweight realize that the person in his home was not in fact a USADA rep, but someone from the local hospital who was at the wrong address for a house call. He immediately asked the woman to leave, and she did, with the four vials of his blood. Now, I guess there's no point in giving them back to him exactly, what are you gonna do, put it back in? But it's still pretty disconcerting knowing someone has a bunch of your DNA. As of this writing, Ige has not discovered who exactly it was that came to visit him that morning, and he's also not yet been framed for any crimes, so that's a plus. Number one, New York legalized MMA, in 1996. Yes, you heard that right, 1996. Now, of course, we all know that one of the UFC's biggest triumphs was in 2016, getting MMA legalized in New York, the final state in the union to allow it. So what the hell am I talking about from 20 years earlier? Yeah, so as it turns out, New York was actually the first state ever to write a law that recognized MMA making it legal. After a moral panic started over cage fighting in the US, UFC parent company SEG owner Bob Meyerowitz took it a upon himself to start lobbying in New York to get it legalized before it got banned. And it unbelievably worked, by a margin so large in the New York Senate that Governor George Pataki, who opposed it, couldn't even veto the new law. Well, just three months later, when a small-time promotion decided to try and put on a show in New York City proper, all hell broke loose. Pataki, along with Mayor Rudy Giuliani, used their political power to sway the entire Senate in the opposite direction and resend the law, then make a new one banning MMA. Hilariously though, because they couldn't get the law on the books fast enough to prevent the NYC card as well as a UFC show in Niagara Falls, the state commission made up new guidelines for MMA that required headgear, no ground fighting, full-on boxing gloves, boxing judges and scoring, and a cage about twice the size of what the UFC had, essentially forcing the cards off through these absurd rules until they could officially ban MMA altogether, which they did in February of 1997. You know who would never have banned mixed martial arts? The editor of this video, Luke Taylor. Please show him all the love on his socials. The guy does a fantastic job. A massive shout to our channel champions as well. Truly, you are champions. We couldn't do it without you. If you'd like to be a champ and get some cool exclusive content, hit that little join button. Liking and subscribing helps a lot too. You could do that. And hey, leave a comment. Did you know all 10 or did I teach you something new today? Thanks for watching, guys. This was a fun one. Catch you on the flip side.